Welcome to I Run Radio. Coming up, what makes the Army Run special? If there is one race or one event you you do in your year of training, make it the Canada Army Run. And I say that because of from, from literally start to finish and of the race, but also on the front end and the back end of, of the the camaraderie that exists among the runners and our, our friends up in Canada and just the the welcoming of everyone to, to the event and, and wanting to show off how proud they are of what they've done and what their military has accomplished. What to eat and what not to eat. 80-20 is kind of like a general rule of thumb where we like to you know, eat healthy most of the time and allow for a little bit of indulgence every once in a while. I always recommend if you're going to indulge, indulge properly. You know, don't eat that dusty old Easter bunny that's been sitting at the back of the cupboard. Go find yourself, for instance, a good piece of dark chocolate and enjoy, favor it unapologetically and, um, and you know, kind of carry on. And are earphones okay after all? People often phrase it as an either or. Either I can listen to something, in my case it's almost always music, or I can pay attention to nature. And the point in my response I was trying to say is, I think I can do both of those things. I, I talk about, like in a recent marathon, where I passed somebody and they called out my name. I had the earbuds on, I could hear them. I can hear people that are on bicycles passing me on a path, yelling out, I'm passing on your left, you know, and I, and I, and I can hear that even while I'm listening to the music that I'm listening to. I can see the deer uh, and the rabbits as I'm going along. I, I can do just about everything you talked about while I'm listening to music. And in addition to that, I get the joy of listening to a song. On this edition of I Run Radio, we'll get an American perspective on the Army Run from someone who has traveled north of the border nine times to participate. We'll talk nutrition for runners. And we'll check in with a runner who disagrees with me about whether or not to wear earphones while running. I wrote about this recently in I Run and got some reaction. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of I Run, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. It's Army Run Weekend here in Ottawa. This is an event that attracts people from all over the country, and it really is special and different from so many other races. You've been here many times for the Army Run. You've seen the soldiers running with civilians, uh, injured soldiers, people running in uniform, the camaraderie that's on display, the reverence, the solidarity. It really is a unique event, isn't it? Oh, it's it's uh, stirring and touching, and it's just one of the great things. And uh, I'm just super proud that we're involved with it. And I just, every year it's the highlight of it. I know not just my schedule, but a lot of runners. I mean, this is one that uh, stands out from every other race. And really, it just feels special, and you feel empowered being out there on the course. Yeah, and you see so many people whose struggles are greater than your own. And uh, it does make you think, you know, for people like you and me, it's uh, you, you kind of say to yourself, you know what, uh, if uh, I, I'm not going to whine about a 25K yeah. run when I'm training for a marathon, when you see what other people have gone through and what some people have gone through just to be able to participate in this event, overcoming all kinds of horrible things that have happened to them mentally and physically in order to be part of this event or to serve our country. So uh, it's it's powerful stuff. 
Yeah, the other thing it really bears in mind, I'm a New Yorker, and I remember being in New York for 9-11. And after 9-11, it just became sort of something that we did, is that when you saw a fire truck pass by, you know, everybody would stop and applaud. You just applaud the fire trucks because you know what they've been through and you know what they've lost and you know what they're still doing. And I feel like in the Army run, it always sort of reminds me of that because you get the opportunity to sort of stop and applaud these people. And, uh, you know, who obviously deserve it and and much more so. And you see that happening. You see runners uh, on the course uh, when they're running by somebody or when somebody from the Canadian Armed Forces runs by them. They say thank you out loud. They clap. Yeah, that's uh, right. And then the crowd reaction is is so good as well. And there are some changes to the course this time that are worth mentioning uh, for those people who know Ottawa well. Uh, it starts at and it starts at the Canadian War Museum. It runs through the Beechwood Cemetery, which is Canada's military cemetery. So there and there that's a that's a quiet part of the course, deliberately so, uh, to indicate the reverence and respect for those who. Mm who are buried there. Uh, so there are some really special aspects to this race. It goes on the grounds of Rideau Hall, the Governor General's residence. As well, the Governor General of Canada is the Commander-in-Chief of the Canadian Armed Forces. So, so many things that are different from any other race, and I know that's why a lot of people across the country really highlight this event on the calendar and really want to do it at some point, if not every year. Uh, and so uh, there'll be a lot of people here for this event this weekend uh, sharing in the moment. And uh, we'll be running, too. Looking forward to it. Oh, it's always such a great pleasure, my friend. I cannot. Uh, it's just great time to be out there and to be running and to be part of the community. And the other thing that happens at these events, and now we're into the fall running season, of course, uh, and you've got all kinds of events on the calendar coming up, including the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon. We get to commune with the running community, right? We get to we get to hang with everyone at these events, not just at the starting line and on the course and at the finish line, but at the expo before the event. You're there uh, in with a big presence. You're handing out magazines. You're chatting with runners. People are coming up and asking for advice and guidance and sharing their stories, and it's just such a great atmosphere. You know, and there's just one thing I'd like to add, if I could, and this is exclusive information right now that I haven't put out anywhere yet but we are making a magazine right now that will be given out and premiering sort of at the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon and just now we have confirmed that superstar tennis athlete and runner Bianca Andreescu is going to be on our cover the winner of the U.S. Open who beat Serena Williams is our cover star and the piece is being written by Olympian uh, Lainey Marchand who's a huge fan, and she's a marathon runner, and she's the second fastest Canadian woman of all time. And uh, she is sort of relating what she sees and what marathon runners see and runners see and women see, why this woman's a hero and what we can learn about her uh, ability to endure and also her ability to take down any limits. Here's a 19-year-old kid who looks out at the world and says, I want to be the best who's ever done it. So the things that she says are very relatable and I'm just very excited, and we're doing a gatefold. We've got an amazing picture of Bianca, and, and Lainey's a terrific writer, and I know she's so inspiring for so many readers, and uh, I'm just really excited about what we're putting out there. Yeah, I love it. I love it because, you know, there, it's it's such a relatable story. We, You know, yeah. we're, you and I might never, you know, we might go to a Grand Slam tennis tournament and sit in the stands, yeah. Uh, and and I joked on Twitter, you know, when I was 19, I had a Grand Slam breakfast at Denny's. That's as close as I've been to <laughs> to a Grand yeah, Slam. But that's good. 
you know, uh, we can still relate to the story because we've all got our yeah. goals and we've we've all yeah. got our moments that yeah. we're working towards and yeah. and and yeah. the perseverance that she displays yeah. Uh, yeah. is something that we yeah. can all take something from. So great stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Ben, good stuff. Thank you. We will see you out there on the course at the Army Run. Beautiful. That's Ben Kaplan, iRun's editor and general manager. Coming up next, an American military veteran who loves Canada's Army Run. The Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon is flat, fast, and festive. And this year, it's celebrating its 30th birthday. On October 20th, join some of Canada's fastest racers and compete for yourself on their 5K, half marathon, and marathon course. Register now at torontowaterfrontmarathon.com. Welcome back to iRun Radio. iRun Radio is on the air every Sunday morning on 1310 News in Ottawa. And you can also listen to the podcast and check out past editions of the show at iRun. Just click on radio. Michael Yowell is a military veteran in Colorado who has participated in the Canada Army Run nine times. Michael, it's great to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. Ah, welcome. I appreciate it. I'm very intrigued by your story of the connection you have with the Army Run. Uh, you were a member of the U.S. Army. Uh, tell us a little bit about how this connection was formed. How did you first find out about the Army Run in Ottawa, Canada? Well, I was attending the U.S. Army, uh, Army 10-Miler in the Expo, and I, I was there right after, excuse me, let's try this again. <clears throat> Three, two, one. I was attending the uh, U.S. Army Army 10-Miler Expo in Washington, D.C., and it was right after the second Canada Army run had occurred. And so I met the race director, and my soldiers were there, and we saw these really cool-looking race shirts, and like, well, how do we get one of those? And, of course, they're like, well, sign up for the race. And they told us a little bit of background about it, and, of course, how it was born from, you know, or Canadian allies coming down, running the Army 10-miler. And I put it in my mind that I wanted to do a destination race, and I picked the Army run, which would, and I ran the third uh, year of the Canada Army run. So that was my plan to come to Canada. And what was your experience like coming to Ottawa and running that race? Had you ever been to Ottawa before? No, I'd never been to Ottawa before. My only experience with Canada was actually in Victoria, um, on, on the, the the far west there when I was a, a young cadet in 1980, and planned on doing it. But um, I grew up; I was born and raised in Carl Springs, Colorado. So I grew up with our uh, with NORAD and our Canadian allies, and getting Canadian money in uh, our change when I was a kid, and seeing some of the kids at school that had parents that were. Uh, uh, posted there from from Canada, and by the way, thirty six million Canadians celebrated my birthday because I was born on Canada Day. Okay, so I figured <laughs> why not? It was meant to be. It was meant to be. So even from the very time I landed and and um, at the airport, and had a fantastic experience up there. Tell me a little bit about it. What was the experience <laughs> like? What was the race like for you that first time you did it? Well, the first time I did, of course, having never been there, you weren't sure of the course. I didn't have a chance to run it, but um, had a fun time at the expo. I, I wandered around. I went to the uh, the Canadian War Museum my very first year there, and I had uh, just 
really knowing no one at all. And one of the funnest things I had was in the uh, the hotel I stayed at, got on the elevator um, to go to the expo. Then a gentleman asked me, you know, hey, what are you doing here? And I briefly explained to him. And he said, well, you know who John Stanton is? And I said, well, I've heard of him. He said, well, he's standing right behind me. So I turn around, boom, there's John Stanton. <laughs> so we introduced each other. Uh, you know, I saw him at the expo. I went to the pasta dinner. And then... Um, First, the fun thing about going to the pasta dinner in the expo was my uh, my army class, army war college classmate, uh, General Peter Devlin, was the uh, the commander of the Canadian Army at the time. So, I, not only did I get to come to Canada and run a race, but I got to see my uh, war college classmate. So, d- tell me more about what the race experience was like, and and why you think this event is special. What I liked about the race event was from hearing about most races having, you know, an inaugural year of a thousand runners being fantastic, that they drew 7,000 runners for their inaugural event. And particularly the, the military modeling and the displays and the cheering stations and the, the whole concept of a shirt and a dog tag and the connection to the, the, the military which I really enjoyed having experienced the Army 10-miler myself. And then even more so having it with, you know, my Canadian allies and friends. And after my first event, or first year doing it, I was hooked. Uh, I really, really was hooked, and I decided to make it uh, my destination race. And obviously I've done it now for the past nine years. And my personal uh, best for half marathon was set in, in Canada. And even last year during the Commander's Challenge, it was my fifth best uh, halftime ever and my best Commander's Challenge that I've done. It's just one that keeps, you know, kept bringing me back and bringing me back. And I've, uh, of the nine years I've been coming up there, I want to say five of them now, I, I've been a, a volunteer. So I've helped to pack up pickup as well. And well, good for you. And you know, saw other people that, oh, saw other Canadians that had been posted to, uh, to Colorado, to NORAD and Air Force Base Command and things like that. Um, you see them up there. In fact, a Canadian that I met in Colorado, um, NORAD funded her, excuse me, NORAD funded her, the Canadians, to bring her from Colorado to the Capitol uh, to run the Army run. So that was fun being up there with, with uh, you know, a fellow runner from, from Colorado who I met out there in one of my running clubs. Very cool. And, you know, one of the things, I've been saying this all along, but one of the things I love about this event, and I'm sure the U.S. Army 10-miler is the same, that you've got this connection that happens between all the runners, including civilians and members of the military, and and they're kind of thanking each other and sharing the journey together for for the race. And I'm sure you see that on display here in, in the Army run. Oh, most definitely. Seeing... Uh you know, some of the, the cheering stations after a couple of years, and then even seeing runners that you, you meet. I met uh, uh, a couple at, uh, just by chance at the pasta dinner, and you wound up towing the line together, and then later on, out of, you know, you figure, you know, 26, 27,000 runners, you run into each other at a, at a pub and, you know, share a pint and stories and upcoming races and exchanging, you know, other information with other runners and, just building a, a lasting relationship that uh, has continued to this day. Tell me more about some of the running you do. Uh, what other events have you done? Uh, 
I do a lot of, <clears throat> uh, currently, I volunteer uh, twice a week on a, um, here in Ottawa, excuse me, here in Ottawa. You think I was already up there? Uh, here in Omaha, Nebraska, I volunteer with a local running store on their Monday night run. It draws, you know, a couple hundred, couple hundred runners every week. Then on Wednesdays, I'm at a local brewery that started a, a weekly walk, run, cycle group, and we have um, that's what I have going on those nights. I actually get to get out and do some trail running with a local trail group uh, here in, in Omaha, and that's on Tuesdays and on Thursdays. So that gets me out, and I volunteer at um, several local races. It could be you know, a small little 5K to one that has you know several thousand runners here in this area. And then when I go back to my home, and I'm originally from Carl Springs to see family, I'm um, still connected with my running club out there that has seven, eight hundred runners per week, but also the the pinnacle event for going back there is the Pikes Peak Ascent and Pikes Peak Marathon, which is where I was a couple weeks ago and seeing the runners go up Pikes Peak to include the Canada Army run. Uh, uh, he's an Air, uh, Air Force officer who was posted at uh, NORAD and was wearing his Army run shirt on Summit. <laughs> wow. So if you were to describe the Army Run to somebody who's never seen it or done it before, what would you say? If there is one race or one event you you do in your year of training, make it the Canada Army Run. And I say that because of from, from literally start to finish and of the race, but also on the front end and the back end of, of the, the camaraderie that exists among the runners and our, our friends up in Canada, and just the, the, the welcoming of everyone to, to the event and, and wanting to show off how proud they are of what they've done and what their military has accomplished. Very well said. It's really great to talk to you. And, you know, something that just occurred to me, you mentioned that Canada Day is your birthday, so you've got that in common with our country. Yes, it is. And in addition to that, the first three letters of your last name are the airport code for Ottawa. I know. I saw that when I first uh, <laughs> was going up there. It's like, okay, this is this is a connection that's meant to be. Absolutely. And one other thing, as I say, one other thing too, having been in in Colorado with the, uh, uh, which for us is a focus of a lot of our space forces, but attending the the uh, the space symposium every year. Met a couple of Canadians a couple of years ago who are you know dear friends, and when I every time I come to to Ottawa, and we're at least you know getting picked up at the airport and dropped off and and over to the home for breakfast or a lunch or a dinner or just out and about and seeing sights of Canada that I would normally not get to because I didn't have didn't know where to go and see some interesting little offbeat things so. It's, like I said, it's a lifelong friendship made based upon a love of country and and everything else. And a love of running. And a love of running. Great to talk to you, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Mark. That's Michael Yowell of Colorado. Coming up next, what to eat to support your running. The Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon is flat, fast, and festive. And this year, it's celebrating its 30th birthday. 
On October 20th, join some of Canada's fastest racers and compete for yourself on their 5K, half marathon, and marathon course. Register now at torontowaterfrontmarathon.com. We're going to talk about nutrition for runners now with Tori Wesser, who is a registered dietitian and has developed recipes for iRun. Tori, thank you for joining us on iRun Radio. My absolute pleasure, Mark. So I know that for a lot of runners, it is a constant struggle of, you know, what should I eat? What should I not eat? Uh, how do I stay healthy? How do I support my training? Um, it's, you know, and, and how do I have fun too, right? Because obviously uh, everybody wants to enjoy life and not be denying themselves uh, something good to eat or drink. Um, so it, do you think it is all st- about striking the right balance? Absolutely. I think it's like that in life in general. I mean, let's be real. Life is too short to not have balance as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But I think there's room, there's room for everything and there's room for moderation, which is a really key part of what I preach as a dietitian. So tell me more about that. Can you give me some examples? Um, if, if you're talking to a runner who wants to maintain a, a healthy weight and wants to support their training and also wants to be able to go out and have a burger or a glass of wine once in a while, uh, what do you tell them? Yeah, well, I think like for the typical population, I usually use the, I hate to say rules because rules don't typically apply to me in, uh, in nutrition and everyday eating, but 80-20 is kind of like a general rule of thumb where we like to you know, eat healthy most of the time and allow for a little bit of indulgence every once in a while. I think that, you know, if you're going for high performance, you may want to veer more on, say, a shorter side of that where it's like 10% indulgence, 90% uh, you know, eating for energy, so to speak. But a couple of things I always recommend, if you're going to indulge, indulge properly. You know, don't eat that dusty old Easter bunny that's been sitting at the back of the cupboard. Go find yourself, for instance, a good piece of dark chocolate and enjoy, favor it unapologetically, and, um, and you know, kind of carry on. So say quality for sure is important. And I think there's ways to satisfy a species if that's kind of the indulgence that someone's looking after pretty easily and in a healthy way. For instance, you know, if someone is still eating dairy, you can make, or even if they're not, you can make frozen yogurts or frozen um, treats that taste like ice cream out of just blended uh, frozen banana and berries, for instance, and maybe even a bit of yogurt in there. Um, you know, a piece of dark chocolate is still considered, I'd say, like a healthy food that's rich in antioxidants, and it still satisfies that sweet too. So there's definitely, I think, ways to incorporate it. Clearly, you want to time it properly with your run so that you're not interfering with the performance of the run. So, you know, obviously, we're not going to go have uh, a bowl of ice cream before we hit the pavement. Right. Now, I like what you said there about choosing wisely, because I like to think of it that way, that it's almost like I have a budget to work with, and and I've, I've got a certain amount of calories that I'm going to, to waste every week on treats. So they better be the, the, you know, the things that I'm going to enjoy the most and that I'm going to get the most pleasure out of because, you know, don't, it's, it shouldn't be like me grabbing handfuls of cereal out of the bag. It should be sitting down and enjoying a nice treat of some kind, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mindfulness around everything that we do, but specifically eating, I think is key. And, you know, along those same lines, I think you kind of reference that distracted sense of eating and, Really, I think when we're eating, even if we're eating not those quote-unquote sometimes foods, 
I think that it's really important to just be present with our food and, you know, shut the TV off, shut the devices off, sit and enjoy the food and, you know, chew it properly, let it digest properly. Um, you know, studies show that people are healthier and, of course, families in general are healthier uh, when we eat together and we eat in a non-distracted environment. And we eat less when we do that. The studies show that when we eat in that distracted environment that we tend to eat more. Yeah. It's really not paying attention to what we're eating. Yeah. Now, you mentioned timing in terms of running. Um, I know there are, there's all kinds of debate over, for example, if you're going to go for a long run on a Sunday morning, whether you should have something to eat before, how soon before, or how uh, far in advance you have to actually eat in order to get the benefit of whatever it is you're eating. What are your, some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that I'd like to preface it by saying that everyone is different. So right. I think that having really hard rules for, say, okay, every runner that's running X distance should eat this is, I think, a little bit off the mark because it's, you know, first of all, it depends on um, that specific person, how much they weigh, what their specific needs are. And then, of course, some people just don't like to eat before they run that early. And, and of course, it also depends on how far in advance we're eating. But um, there's different people tolerate different things. You know, some person may find that fiber doesn't bother them, but other people may find that something with fiber before their run is really just not a wise decision. So um, so I think, like, you know, the, the general guidelines are, I think, still hold true where you want to have something that's carbohydrate rich if you do have that allowance you know one to two even like three to four ideally hours before but even up until an hour before you could um you know could eat something typically and have it digested and and, and go have it there so it's fueling you uh you know unless a run is over 90 minutes i don't get too concerned i think that the longer runs is where we need to be a bit more strategic so again it totally depends on how long someone's going for yeah but if you if you've been running on an empty stomach typically and that's what works for you and and you haven't it hasn't affected your performance and and all of that you can you can go with what works for you right yeah I think there's no there's no black and white I mean I think this is the ideal of in terms of what we know about science and glycogen and you know how our body allows us to really release energy for use which is important when you run but you just want to be mindful of the fact that yeah if you're hitting that energy low during your run you know there might be something up could be hydration could be fuel you know if you are going for a long run uh, i think it makes sense to to pack some carbohydrates i think it's like 30 to 60 grams every hour ish would be ideal in terms of keeping our glycogen stores up but I definitely do not think that this, like everything in nutrition, is a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. We hear a lot about protein. How important is that if you are training regularly, if you're running a lot? Yeah, well, protein is really important because we need protein for, well, almost everything in our body, but specifically for muscle protein synthesis. So, you know, if we want to run, we're going to need some muscles, and in order for us to have muscles, we need protein. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I think there's, there can be an over-reliance uh, as opposed to over-emphasize protein in diets. And some diets, I'd say, food regimes are probably too high in protein. But protein is important. Um, I think that it's, it's important, especially after we run, in order to help optimize glycogen repletion. So the ideal ratio is around 1 to 3, 1 to 4. So one part protein, 3 to 4 parts carbohydrate ideally within 30 minutes of completing a run to allow our body to um, replete the glycogen stores and, um, and you know, get the muscle protein synthesis up and running. And also, ideally, we realize that 
the ideal dose of protein for optimizing or like kickstarting muscle protein synthesis seems to be between 20 and 25 grams. So that dose, if you will, after your run, uh, sometime within the first couple hours after your run would be important, just, again, just to help make sure that you're optimizing your muscle protein synthesis and glycogen repletion. So timing does matter in this case. If You, you want to have it fairly soon after your run. Yeah, yeah. But for this, for, for it, it absolutely does. So, hmm. you know, I think it's easier to manipulate things before the run for some people, just because some people, again, have different tolerances for for eating before they, they work out or run. But, yeah, afterwards, there definitely is an ideal window that we want to optimize or kind of take advantage of. And can you give an example of something that would be a good post-run kind of uh, of, uh, of meal or or snack that uh, that would uh, that would fit the description you just gave? Can I ever? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, like hummus and raw veggies, maybe a tuna sandwich or an egg salad sandwich. Of course, on like a whole grain bread, but something like um, even chocolate milk has been found to have a pretty good ratio. Uh, you can do some apple slices with uh, some nut butter or even like a, a grilled chicken uh, salad with some roasted vegetables, ideally with some root vegetables in there to give you some carbohydrates. Okay. Any other tips in terms of what runners can do to support their training and their performance? Well, I think that the tip or trick that I would give would probably be um, pertainable to most people. Whereas I think I think we make nutrition really, really complicated sometimes. And I think that it's really important in our busy, busy lives to make healthy eating convenient. So I'd say gear yourself up for success. Stock your fridge with pre-washed greens, um, with all of your favorite vegetables and fruits. You know, spend a couple of hours on a Sunday prepping and washing and maybe pre-cooking a few things so that you're set up for success. Because like anyone, um, I think we're all subject to grabbing things that are like less than ideal when we're in a pinch and over hungry. Yeah, that's a great point. And if you're trying to cram running into an already busy lifestyle and you come back from a run and, and it's not convenient... Uh, and you add to that the mentality that you probably just earned it because you went for a run, then that's when you're going to fall into some of the traps, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Tori, it's great to have your perspective on all of this. Thank you very much for sharing all this great advice. We really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Mark. That's registered dietitian Tori Wesser. Coming up next, we'll talk about the classic question, whether it's better to wear earphones or not when you are running. The Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon is flat, fast, and festive. And this year, it's celebrating its 30th birthday. On October 20th, join some of Canada's fastest racers and compete for yourself on their 5K, half marathon, and marathon course. Register now at torontowaterfrontmarathon.com. In a recent edition of I Run, I wrote about how I like to run without earphones. I like to hear what's going on around me. I like to have some time to think. Well, that led to an interesting reaction from one runner who wrote to us with a very different perspective, and he joins us on iRun Radio. Charlie Pazdor, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. So you reached out because I wrote a column in which I said that I didn't run with earbuds, and I have tried it, and I have done it sometimes. I've even done a couple of races, but more recently, I've just felt compelled to listen to everything around me, and in, have, I've enjoyed that. But you have a different point of view on this, don't you? 
Yeah, I, I think, again, your article was one of them, but I've read other ones like that. And when I read those articles, the sense I get from them, and again, maybe I misread yours, but I read it more than once, was that what you the way you write it is it's sort of written, or people often phrase it, is an either-or. Either I can listen to something, in my case it's almost always music, or I can pay attention to nature. And the point in my response I was trying to say is, I think I can do both of those things. I, I talk about, like in a recent marathon, where I passed somebody and they called out my name. I had the earbuds on, I could hear them. I can hear people that are on bicycles passing me on a path, yelling out, I'm passing on your left, you know, and I... And I, and I can hear that even while I'm listening to the music that I'm listening to. I can see the deer uh, and the rabbits as I'm going along. I, I can do just about everything you talked about while I'm listening to music. And in addition to that, I get the joy of listening to a song. I actually just tried to look it up on iTunes to see. It says I've listened to Jimmy Cliff 875 times. Okay. On, on iTunes. So, Jimmy Cliff. 875 times. Well, Dave Clark 5 come in probably right behind that. All right. <laughs> what else do you like to listen to? Well, it, it's basically, again, I'm 68 years old. So, uh, I, you know, I grew up in that era of the music of the 60s and 70s. So the, the music that works best for me is, you know, as I said, Jimmy Cliff, Dave Clark 5, uh, and uh, Fleetwood Mac, uh, I could sort of go through the list. But, the you know, it's, it's just, it's, what it really is all about is sort of music that I like to listen to, you know, people I like, but also that has the right beat. So I spent a lot of time, in fact, kind of invested in an app that gave me the cadence of certain songs. And so I would find the cadence that worked for me. And in some cases, the cadence was deliberately faster because it was kind of like my faster training runs. And in some cases, the, the cadence was really slower because I was looking for something more slow to run to. But again, as I said, it's also I'm always looking for music that kind of makes me smile. And as I, I think I wrote in the, the response, that people who don't listen to me never know the joy of having a favorite song come on just as, you know, the, and give them a burst of energy and make him smile. And that actually, you know, I mentioned it really did happen to me when I was, running, you know, the Newton Hills back in uh, April of 2018 in that really miserable weather. And I and I remember literally getting the sense of having, oh, how am I going to take another step? Alex Hutchison wrote about horizontal rain that day. Yeah. You know, and I, and I said, yeah, I was dealing, running with, as he described it, seven pounds of extra clothes, wet clothes, and horizontal rain. And then the day Clark 5 came on, and I went, okay, let's go again. You know, and I, I felt there you inspired go. to, yeah. Well, good so for you. My, and my look, point is that it's more the both and rather than the either or. Sure. Part of it. And again, I, as I said, I'm always, always listening to music and carefully selected music, and I've been doing this this entire century. You know. Yeah. So and, and I qualified for Boston. Yeah, know. good for you. Uh, and you ran Boston in one of the toughest years ever. I ran it that year too. Uh, and uh, it was miserable, and I wore a rain poncho for the whole race. I never discarded my my discardable clothing. Um, and so anything that's going to make you smile or get through that faster, I'm okay with. Um, and, I, I, and I respect where you're coming from, and it's okay for that to work for you and something else to work for me, obviously, right? Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm not saying people should run with it. Yeah. I'm just saying when I read an article that suggests it's an either-or, sure. that's where I sort of... Yeah, kind of take exception, uh, you know, because as I said, all, all the things I just told you, I can hear 
cyclists tell me. I can hear people call out my name. You know, I can hear people telling me I'm looking good in a marathon. You know, yeah, all those things. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I have to be honest. It. I'm not as good at that. Uh, so if I've got the earphones in, I don't hear enough. Uh, at least I don't feel that I am hearing enough of the traffic or the bicycle coming up behind or anything like that. It just doesn't, maybe I have the volume on too loud. Maybe I'm just not as good at, at separating the sounds. Maybe I get lost in the music or the podcast I'm listening to, but, but I feel like I'm in a, uh, in a bubble when I run uh, with earphones in, but that, that's just me. So whatever works for you, Charlie. Well, it's been working for a long time. Man. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, now, I find it interesting, though, that you actually select music based on the cadence to cater to your running. So these are not just songs that you like. They're songs that you like and also follow a certain beat to support your running. Absolutely. That, that's been true sort of from the beginning. Like, I've, I, I've always sort of tested them uh, first, you know, and, and say, okay, does it work? And again, they're not all the same. As I mentioned, sometimes... Uh, I would select songs that were deliberately more faster, you know, faster cadence, just because I, okay, it's kind of like my modified interval tempo run, right? Like I, 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 I tend to run pretty much, I'm I'm not sure doing a lot of hard intervals, you know, I I don't know if it's because I'm 68, I just, you know, not interested in doing it. And uh, the, and it's all I think, hey, one of the ways I do it, and actually I remember it now, what my inspiration was. Remember, again, around the turn of the century, there was a guy, Covert Bailey, who was on TV, fit or fat guy. And, and he, uh, he talked about how, and I have his book, and he talked about how the body kind of gets lazy. So what you needed to do was modify your cadence. So I found the easiest way to modify my cadence was to play a song that had a faster cadence. There you Instead go. Of 82 beats, I would play one with 87 beats, you know, something like that. Interesting. So tell me a little bit about your running career. How long have you been at this? Well, I, I, it got started with the first Manitoba Marathon. At the time, I was working at Great West Life, and it was sort of a, okay, this this is the thing that a whole bunch of us will go in the marathon. And at that point, you know, uh, it was hard to get running shoes, you know, like to find what, what they were, and uh, it was hard to know about training plans and things like that. So just a group of us went out and did some running, and and uh, and, and I did that. And I, and I was telling people, like, the, what I did with that one is I, I ended up pulling out after 22 miles they called it exiting with dignity at the time okay but what i didn't realize is i thought oh this is a marathon it's not a walkathon and it was my knees that hurt at that point and and i literally could have walked it in it was four miles to go and as a matter of fact i think if i had walked in i would have got there faster than it took the shuttle to get me there with all the right and things. And then what, the story i remember is we picked up the next guy and he said you know i could have finished but i was bleeding and puking so they made me stop you know and i was thinking i had sore knees and this guy was way worse yeah. than me, so I could have just brought it in. So thereafter, you know, as I said, if I had something one time, I stopped just for a massage because that was kind of cramping up, which is why the weight worked for half a kilometer. But anyway, the, the point was I didn't stop after that. Like I always sort of said, okay, whatever will get me through, I'll just keep going. So I, I did that one. So that was the first one, which I didn't finish. And on the second one, I finished that. That was my fastest one. But I think the longest training run I did was like 13 miles. So I, I sort of didn't get into it. And I did the first few, the second, third, and fourth. And then when I got, then I sort of stopped running marathons for a while. Never totally stopped running. And then I decided I wanted to run a full marathon when I turned 50. And I had run like a half marathon and part of a marathon relay team, again, with friends of mine from Great West Life. And I did some other running. And then I sort of said, okay, I was going to go back. So I ran a half marathon at 49. It went really well. So I said, I'm going to run a full marathon at 50. 
and I forget what my finishing time was. I think it was like 3.42, something like that. And I said, well, I'm 50 and I ran 3.42. I'm like seven minutes off the Boston qualifying time. And I didn't even try to meet the Boston qualifying time. All I did was try to finish. So maybe I should try. There and you then, go. Without going to a lot of detail, I qualified at age 55. And kind of that was in the days when it was easier than now. And then I qualified again at 60, only within 22 seconds of, and then they made, you know, they adjusted the cutoff yeah. time, so I didn't make the cutoff. And then when I reached age 65, I I finished sub four hours, which was 12 minutes under the then qualifying time. So, but what I decided was I was going to keep running marathons, partly for health, but also I realized that, and it, you've alluded to this in your book, you can't just. I always allude it to like a, a garden. You can't sort of say, "Well, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to plant a garden. I'll water and fertilize it really hard in the month of August. So I'll have my stuff in September. You got to start in, you know, May and June. Right? Yeah. And it's the same thing. It, so that gets me out the door or whatever training. So it just keeps me training. But the other thing I'll point out was, I, I started doing this before I read it. But Hal Higdon has a book called Marathoners for Senior People. I forget what it's called, and and he essentially says. You're senior runners, you've been doing this a long time, just run three times a week. And I can tell you, in the almost 20 years since I've been running again, I never run more than three times a week. Oh, there you go. Like, literally ever, you know. As I, okay, just, I'll be real precise. There are some days I'll run Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, because I'm traveling on Sunday, you know, but. Right. If you ignore that little yeah. thing. But it works yeah. out to three times a week in the long it run. It works basically. out to three times yeah. a week, yeah. And if wow. I miss the time and I don't, I don't try and cram it in by doing two, and and you know, and that keeps me going. Sounds great. And so, are there other marathons in your future? Well, the uh, I'm I, I'm a sort of a convenient marathon runner. My brother's a much more. He's twelve years younger than me and has run more than twice as many as I have. And and he does the kind of things that you do. like. He's done the Marine Corps. He's gone to Chicago. Those right. kind of things. I run places that are convenient. So, for example, I was going down to Dallas for a conference. My wife said, oh, you should check to see if there's a marathon there. You know, and uh, sure enough, there was. So I there ran the marathon on the Sunday, attended the conference on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And then two years later, I went going back down to Dallas, signed up. They had an ice storm, and they canceled it. You know, So <laughs> I had bad luck. So every time I've gone out of town for a marathon, I've had bad luck. So I had the ice storm. It was raining the first time in Dallas when I ran Minneapolis in 2007. It was like for the American temperature in the 80s, humidity in the 80s. Like it was, they, they came apparently within a whisker of canceling the whole thing. It was also that was that was the year they ran out of water in Chicago, I remember, which was held on the same weekend, our Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, the Boston one, 2018, which was the bad one, that was the slowest finishing time for the winners in 40 years. The yeah. second slowest finishing time was in 2007, the only other time I've run it. So I just had bad luck, so that's why. I'll leave the <laughs> traveling. Stay, stay close to home and keep the earbuds in, Charlie. Keep, that's yeah. what I'll do, yeah. All right. Well, listen, I really appreciate you joining us. I'm glad you reached out. Thanks for sharing your perspective and your running story with us on iRun Radio. Okay. It's been a pleasure, Captain Radio Mark. That is Charlie Pazdor. Coming up in the weeks ahead on iRun Radio, we'll share the story of a track coach in British Columbia who ran 100 kilometers to settle a bet with his students. I hope you can be with us next week on iRun Radio. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.